Right, my people, welcome back to another episode of Five Things We Learned. Uh, it's been a really action-packed week of football, uh, from Premier League to, of course, the biggest game in football, El Clasico, at least to me. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I learned personally, a lot of stuff that stuck out to me, and things I just really want to get into in today's episode. But before we do get into today's video, make sure you guys, of course, subscribe to the channel. I'm so close to 2,000 subscribers, and as I always say on these videos, I can only get there with your help. So, uh, as usual, I would really appreciate it if you guys could subscribe, if you guys could smash the like button, and uh, yeah, let me know down in the comments section below. Uh, what did you guys learn this weekend? What do you guys think of the things I touched on, and um, yeah, where we go from here. But that's enough talking, let's get into these five things. So the first thing that I really want to touch on that I learned this weekend is that Manchester United has guts. And it's something that I didn't know, or at least I wasn't shown up to this point of the season enough. And... We've seen at times of United this year and throughout Ollie's tenure, right? When they're up against it, when, they're, when their backs are against the wall, when Ollie's job is on the line, they do tend to step up. They do tend to pull results out of nowhere that no one expected. See, for example, this year against City, Everton earlier in the season, right after he got knocked out of the group stage of the Champions League. They, they know how to react to results, but against the Spurs team, who there's so much history in, right? Like we lost that first game or United lost that first game 6-1 to Spurs earlier in the season. It's against Jose Mourinho. This is the perfect game for revenge to, to really put your put your stamp on, on proceedings and show what you're made of. Because there's been a lot of question marks over how serious United are. Like what, how serious is their, is their position in the table? Are they truly the second best team in the league? Uh, can they go on next year to, to do even bigger things than they are at the moment? And this was the perfect game to really show it. And I put that out, out in a tweet saying, listen, United doesn't deserve, doesn't owe their fans just a win. They owe their fans a dominant performance and really showing that, yeah, we are the second best team in the league. Bun, Chelsea, Leicester, West Ham. Show your credentials. And they went 1-0 down today, uh, contentiously, right? I think a lot of people will agree that they should have been 1-0 up to that point. But regardless, they go down a goal, really poor defending, and question marks are being asked. What are United made out of? And to be honest, me personally, I saw the way the game was going, and I saw both teams. I never felt for a second United would lose that game. But the dominance and the aggression and the impetus they put into that performance was world-class and truly a, a performance of a team with bigger aspirations than, than just finishing second, which at times I really haven't felt at this season. I felt, look, like we win games. Sometimes we go through the motions. Sometimes we, we beat them just because we are the better team. But too many times I feel like it's just a professional performance getting us through. And look, we've seen the teams we're up against, right? City this year, Liverpool last season, Chelsea at their best. Like you can't win a league playing 38 professional games. You have to have games where you show you're the top dog. And this was one of those games. Absolutely terrific performance and a big shout out to Ollie as well. I don't remember when it was. It might have been at halftime, but if you remember how they started the game, 4-2-3-1, Rashford on the right, Pogba on the left, Cavani up front, McFred and Bruno in the middle. And it wasn't working, right? Um, I think Wan-Bissaka and Rashford, they really don't have a good uh, link up on that right-hand side. Pogba kind of looks disinterested when he's on the left. But at one point, Ollie said, forget this 4-2-3-1 nonsense. We're going to a diamond. 
or even more so, it wasn't actually a diamond that he played today. It was 4-2-2-2. And what he did was he allowed Pogba to be that second creative mantle next to Bruno Fernandes centrally. And so many times you saw Pogba getting the ball deep and driving forward through the middle. Options on either side. Feeding Cavani, feeding Rashford, finding Bruno. And it not only allowed Pogba to, to really express himself and be in the best position to be Paul Pogba, right? Which is what he's great at. That, that's what you want from Paul Pogba. Express yourself and show show the world what kind of talents you have because, boy, you have a lot of them. But also, I think long-term with this formation, Bruno Fernandes will have less pressure on him to constantly deliver and be the creative guy every single game, every single play. And he didn't play a great game today, particularly the first half. The second half, he improved a lot. But I think going forward, you play those two together side by side with McFred in behind, because then I think that's when you can really use McFred. I, you know, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of him, but I think you put those two behind them with even less attacking responsibility and just let those two create, that's football. And you saw it at times today in the second half, Pogba ran the show. Uh, a lot of redemption stories for a lot of players, right? Fred, you guys know my thoughts on him. First half, I thought he was diabolical. Second half, the goal was just the icing on the cake. Terrific performance. Um... I mean, Cavani, a lot of question marks over him recently. Should United be looking to to, to give him a new contract? Off today, 100%. Uh, was the best striker on the pitch that shared one with Harry Kane. So all the credit to him and Greenwood. Listen, you guys know I'm a big believer in this kid, and he just keeps repaying my faith in him. And listen, like you just, you look at that kid play football, and you look at all the intangibles he has alongside the, the clear physical abilities he does have. He's going to the top, right? If you if you think anything other than that, I don't know what to tell you. But um, I said at one point this season, we need to finish this year off strong. We need to, to kind of staple our intentions and show the league that, yeah, we are willing to, you are, we are capable of making that next, next step forward next season. And this was a great start. I think we now have seven games left in the season. Let's show the league what we're made of and, and get a cup just to, just to be the cherry on top. But the first thing I learned 100%, United has guts and they showed it today. If you want to see me speak more about the United game, uh, I mean, by the time this is out, I will already be online with him. But Culture Cams, I'll be on his show for the group chat, a United group chat that I, I'm, I've been on a few times. But uh, if you're interested in seeing me talk a little more about this game, go follow Culture Cams in the description below. I'll be on a live stream with him and a few of the other guys. So yeah. But the second thing I learned is actually from this game. It's about Spurs. And it's, listen, the uh, the die has been cast on Jose Mourinho and Tottenham Hotspur, and particularly on the former. Uh, a season that promised so much for Mourinho and Spurs, right? It went into the season kind of under everyone's radar, right? Everyone was talking about United City, Liverpool, Chelsea. And they took that opportunity with both hands and they stormed to the top of the league within 10 games, I believe. Or maybe it was a little less. Maybe it just felt like that much. But they really put themselves out as title title uh, contenders, if you want to call them that. I mean, I called them that and look how that worked out. But it's all gone south very quickly for Jose Mourinho and particularly for Spurs. And we now find ourselves into a, a part of the season where they are out of the Europa League, meaning they cannot qualify for the Champions League through that. They're now six points behind uh, fourth. When just last week, uh, if they had won against Newcastle, battling for relegation, which we'll speak about in a minute, they would have been in the top four. So you can safely say that Spurs will not be playing Champions League football next season. The pure reason Mourinho was brought into the club was to win a trophy, and they have one chance at doing that against Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final. I don't think anyone predicted them to win that, but hey, finals, anything can happen. And you now have a situation where the greatest player at the club 
and possibly the best striker in the world. Again, we'll get into that. Harry Kane wants to leave the club if they do not make the top four, which is looking more and more likely. And there were a lot of doubts when Mourinho got hired at Spurs, right? Everyone had their, how, how, how good of a thing is this for Spurs, for him, for the fans. And at a point, maybe with the help of the documentary, I think the fans kind of bought into it. They kind of sold their soul for this, right? They, they're selling their soul for a trophy. They're selling their, their soul to, to get a silverware that they'll never touch in their life. But giving up Mirto Pochettino and hiring uh, Mourinho is effectively saying, we'll bun uh, attractive football for a year or two, but we need to win a trophy. And if he does not win a trophy against Manchester City, this has been the biggest failure of his uh, managerial tenure. Even if he does, there's an argument that can be made that he should be fired at the end of the season. Right, Spurs are in turmoil. Whether they win a league or not, whether they win the Carabao Cup or not, does that convince Harry Kane to stay? For me, no. And then you just look at the rest of the players: Youngman's son approaching thirty years old, not getting any better. Uh, Deli Ali frozen completely out of the team. Tangi and Dumbele, who personally I thought had a really good game today. I know some United fans were not happy. I pointed that out, but I thought he was excellent today. And for me, is uh, another level entirely ahead of, of Tottenham. He should not be at that club. I think he has aspirations of of higher pastures as well. And then you look at the rest of the team. The defense is just a shambolic. Loris, a bit like De Gea, is on the way down. Spurs are not in a good place. And we move to Mourinho, who this might be it for him at big clubs, right? Who is going to take a chance on him after he fails at Spurs? Because for me, it was a surprise enough already that he got a job as quickly as he did after leaving United the manner in which he did. And Spurs was a downgrade for him, at least at the time of, of hiring. And you ask now to yourself, what's the next move for him? The only club that really loves him in terms of a fan base is Inter, and they're flying under Antonio Conte. Uh, I think his time in the Premier League is finished. Real Madrid don't want him back. Uh, maybe France if Pochettino fails there, but do you want to give Mbappe and Neymar to Mourinho? And you guys know I'm a huge Jose Mourinho fan, right? From from day one, I've always loved or at least had some some affiliation with Mourinho because I don't know, I grew up on those Inter and Chelsea teams and seeing his character, right? The sport is all about character and personalities and he had that, but the guy who left Madrid in 2013 is not the guy who anymore, that guy died. That guy is not a, a real person anymore. The, the, the guy who came from Madrid that, that, that year in 2013 is now washed up and, and old and bitter and stubborn. And you even see the, the comments today that he directed towards Solskjaer when he, when he jokingly said that his son wouldn't have been fed if he performed like son today. He, there's something, a part of Mourinho died in 2013. And I, I fear that that part was also being a top class manager. And for me, this is the end of the road for Jose Mourinho uh, as, as far as being considered an elite manager goes. And I'm very curious to see where his career goes after this season because quite frankly, I don't think he'll be at the club after this year. We move to the next thing I learned though. And from one great striker in Harry Kane, we move to another one and Karim Benzema. Karim Benzizu, gunman. Destroying Barcelona. Unreal back heel for the first goal, but... I'm just happy the footballing world in terms of fans and media alike are, are finally understanding what an amazing talent Callum Benzema is. And for so many years, he's been the guy who got the stick, right? He's always been the guy who, who carries the load for, for guys like Ronaldo or Bale. While they go and score the goals and get the headlines and score Champions League winning goals, 
He's been the guy who does the dirty work, who tracks back, who drifts out wide, who who falls into the hole, who, who I don't know, he's just such an unselfish player. But now, since Ronaldo left the club, uh, Zidane has not been able to go buy a, an Mbappe and a Hazard has not fulfilled his potential or at least the, the hope that he would bring when he came to Madrid uh, a year ago. And all the responsibility has fell on Benzema. And listen, man, he was a phenom at Lyon. He came to Real Madrid. It was a sticky situation at the start. Mourinho, again, wanted him out uh, for the likes of Adebayor. And I don't know, Zidane sees him as his prodigal son, I guess, right? That French-Algerian connection. But um, listen, Benzema's hit new heights under Zidane that I don't think any of us would have seen coming at his age. Uh, leading goal scorer last year, winning La Liga, leading them to La Liga, by the way, because that's another thing. This Real Madrid team... For all the good things it has, an exceptional midfield, a very strong defense, attacking is not their greatest strength, right? You look at the guys around him, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Asensio, a washed up Eden Hazard. These are not like attacking talents that should be complementing a player who at this moment could be considered the best striker on the planet. And he has carried that Real Madrid attack on his ones. Last season winning the league, like I just said, and this year, in the title race, 100%, and low-key in a Champions League race as well. They, barring a miracle, will go past Liverpool, and then they'll play a tie against Chelsea where they have to consider themselves favorites, as good as Chelsea have been. And then you start to have to question things, like, is Benzema a Ballon d'Or contender? Where does his, his place in history rank? By the way, let me know if you guys want me to make a video talking about the 21st century's greatest strikers and ranking them, because I would love to do that. But again, it all depends on what you guys want to see. But Benzema, another terrific performance, terrific performance, excuse me, against Barcelona, their fierce rivals. Talking a little bit about Barcelona, they're obviously at a different stage in their development to Real Madrid, right? Uh, for all the Messi's and Busquets and Piquets that they have, they have some really uh, promising young players: Pedro Gonzalez, Ricky Puch, Elish, uh, Mingueza in the back, and this is not the finished article of Barcelona. Uh, Mart- Laporta has come in. Uh, there's rumors linking them to the likes of Erling Haaland. They're only going to get better. But outside of the first 10 minutes and phases in the second half, Real Madrid were comfortable in this game and worthy worthy winners of El Clasico. And a massive congratulations to Kevin Benzema for leading leading them to that. But barring the first 10 minutes and, and periods of the second half, Real Madrid were comfortable in this game and worthy winners of, of this El Clasico. And a huge part of that has to go to Cali Benzema. He deserves massive credit. And again, I want to see him in these conversations for top strikers. Respect Lewandowski, respect Kane, respect Haaland, respect Lukaku. But Benzema, put some respect on Benzizu's name. I'll be leading the charge. Next up, though, the third thing that really caught my eye out this weekend was Newcastle United have probably solidified themselves another Premier League season and it's something that pains me honestly and it's not because of a United Newcastle rivalry it's not because I hate Newcastle right I have, I have nothing I, and I live in New York I don't give a shit about Newcastle like it means nothing to me but I'm a fan of good football and I'm a fan of uh, football led by protagonists by, by possession-based football by, by football that with a purpose right possession of a purpose trying to win games trying to be the better team and when I see Fulham, or at least when I've seen Fulham throughout this season, I've really thought that that was the objective every time Scott Parker put his guys out. And I was really hoping that they could stay up. And on the contrary, Newcastle, man, under Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley's uh, stewardship, are going nowhere, right? They may survive this year, as this third thing is pointing out. But 
under those two, this club, this great club, Newcastle are a tremendously huge club in England and in English football history. They're going nowhere under these two. And I do hope that if they do stay up, uh, the takeover that was supposed to happen last year does go through because the fans and the city and the team deserve a, a good Newcastle team. The Premier League deserves a good Newcastle team. But under these guys, the football has been dire this year. Uh, quite frankly, they're lucky that Fulham really haven't been that good, right? As much as like, I'll praise them, they haven't been good enough to stay up. And that will save Newcastle by the skin of their teeth. But make no mistake about it. If these two are in charge next year at Newcastle United, this team will be in the same situation over and over and over again. And eventually their, their luck will run out 100%. And that's the reality of this year. They are lucky if they do stay up this season. But unfortunately, Fulham just doesn't have enough in them. And you saw that again against Wolves at home. A Wolves team that have been so on and off recently at home in a, in a, in a performance that you need to get three points out of. And it's just been the story of uh, Fulham's season. They, they huff, they puff, they, they pass the ball around very nicely, but they are just, at the end of the day, too naive of a team. And ultimately, it means that they will be the third team to get relegated alongside West Brom and uh, Sheffield United. And Newcastle live to see another season. But I do question how many lives this, this Newcastle cat happens to have. And finally, the fifth thing that I learned this weekend is that, yo, this top four race is legit. West Ham, <laughs> 3-0 up against Leicester, albeit almost choking a 3-0 lead again. But man, Jesse Lingard, is he the best loan signing in Premier League history? Let me know in the comment section below. I know a lot of people were saying Carlos Tevez for both West Ham and Manchester United, ironically, two of uh, Jesse Lingard's former and current teams. But um, wow, the impact that he has made in such a short amount of time and to go from the laughing stock of English football just a few short months ago to now, shit, probably going to be in England's Euro team. That's so impressive. And he is headlining this, this rapid push towards the Champions League that West Ham are on. And against all odds, people keep doubting them week after week after week. But this was a huge performance against uh, another top four contender in Leicester City. We'll get into them in a bit, but this is without Declan Rice. This is again, again without Mikel Antonio. West Ham are legit, and how much of this is down to the fact that there's no fans, there's teams in transition, maybe. But you have to give massive credit to Lingard, to West Ham, and to David Moyes as well, who, in a year that a lot of players and managers have kind of had like bounce-back seasons, we talked about Lingard, John Stones, uh, Gareth Bale at times this year, Kalehi and Ichinaccio for, um, for Leicester City, Moyes has had a tremendous bounce-back, and it's nice to see a guy who was so good in English football for so long for Everton kind of get back to that level of, of being a manager who can coach teams to, to challenge for Champions League spots because that's really where he belongs. And we can talk about the other team that they played, Leicester City. There is some question marks now. How much doubt is creeping in the back of their minds? Will last year's collapse kind of happen again? Hopefully not. But they've been on and off recently. They had that great performance against United in the Cup, then got beat by City, now getting beat by West Ham. And they have some pretty easy games coming up, but that end of the season where they, where they still have to play Chelsea, they still have to play Spurs, they still have to play United. They need to rack up as many points as they can and solidify third before things get sticky. Because teams like Chelsea and teams like Liverpool are coming, and we saw that this weekend. Chelsea, probably the most convincing uh, win of Thomas Tuchel's tenure against Crystal Palace and Liverpool... A little less convincing, right? A last-minute screamer from Trent Alexander-Arnold giving them all three points against, uh, who was it, Aston Villa. They're coming. And again, if you compare Liverpool and Chelsea to, to West Ham and Leicester, 
your gut instinct is to say, yeah, Liverpool and Chelsea will make it. Class will pay off in the end. But listen, West Ham should not be written off. Absolutely not. Like they are in fourth right now for a reason. They are consistent. They are tough to beat. They are resilient. They are organized. And when Jesse Lingard is playing like Leo Messi, like what can you say? And Leicester, all right, they are kind of looking suspect, but they have the points. So that means that they have to draw points and those other two teams pick it up. Let me know though who you believe will come into the top four at the end of the season in the comment section below. Let me know what you guys thought about my five points that I learned this weekend. Uh, Did I miss anything? What did your favorite team do this weekend? Let me know again all in the comment section below. As usual, guys, drop a like on the video. Smash the subscribe button. So close to 2K. And like I always say, guys, I can only do it with your guys' help. So it'd be massively appreciated if you can help me get there. And uh, share this video with your friends. Share it on social media. Share it on, I don't know, you guys, anyone still use Facebook? Share it anywhere. Uh, But like I said, this has been an episode of a whole lot of mid, guys. We'll see you when we see you. Peace.